This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. All right. Back in the Breaking Normal podcast, Boulder, Bison, Heart Quarters. I'm here with a, uh, a friend that I didn't even know was living here. And as y'all know, the uh, schedule for this show is synchronicity. So I had to take action. I love taking, I love striking and taking action while the iron's hot, if you will. I really feel like that's a major part of life is making decisions and committing and taking action. Anywho, thanks for being part of my commitment here, Christian. And Absolutely, Dan. And sitting in this throne that is for sale, <laughs> wood, mahogany, lion, throne. How, a, how's it feel? It reminds me of the Liver King video. Oh, him, yeah. Like, sitting in the throne. And the bison king over here has a throne that he's like reselling. So it's, a, <laughs> it's a very interesting... Uh, you know, synchronous new paradox. Though. Well, you know, let's thicken the plot on this because guess who is with the Liver King today? Who? JP Sears. Really? Wasn't JP with in Austin with us when we did the retreat? No, or no he was but not. But you guys the, were talking about him. Um, oh, we go. Yeah. yeah. We go way back. Uh, I mean, JP did his first comedy show at our International Tribe Design in Kauai and then met uh, Amber. Um, his his wife, but that might not be the status forever from some Facebook post I've seen. But um, oh, and then he proposed to her at our Montana retreat. I mean, and we've been we lived together in Charleston yeah. and even some in Austin. That's that's how I found out about you guys. I think I was listening to a JP podcast with you or with Kevin Oros or somebody. So you've listened to the Breaking Normal podcast before? I've listened to an episode of yours. I honestly I don't listen to a lot of podcasts i'm more on youtube so i listen to a lot of youtube uh channels but i definitely found you i think through jp i listen to a lot of podcasts and jp is with the liver king right now okay and i recently uh the liver king has long story short if you don't know the liver king he's probably like the man behind selling the most freeze-dried yeah. organ or liver supplements and other organ supplements in the world um then he came online as a public figure about mm -hmm. six months after we started Tribe Vitamins. Uh, and it was great because all of a sudden he's he's probably yeah. more responsible for getting more people to eat raw freeze-dried liver than anyone. Yeah. And then when someone was looking for the best, like in my opinion, 100% <laughs> grass-fed American bison from America, yeah. not from New Zealand dairy cows, they would usually come to us. So this was okay. great. But then, do you know the whole controversy about his lying about being on steroids yeah, and growth hormone? Yeah. Man. So, anywho, long yeah. story short, most of y'all probably know this if you're listening to this podcast, but if not, it's a fascinating <laughs> story. I mean, what a character. Yeah. And I'm happy JP's with them, and I would like to hang out with all of, all of us together. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, we are right now, because totally. he's JP's probably sitting in this throne, and you're sitting in, <laughs> in this throne. <laughs> um, yeah. And but there, I, did you see the thing where he said he like posted a thing about two weeks ago? He's like, hey, some primals can do push-ups on their hands, uh -huh. but it takes a real one. Did you see that video? And did you see my I, response? I, I saw your response to fifty push-ups on the concrete. You did fifty-one. He did fifty-one. I did fifty-two. Okay, under a minute. That was yeah. his. He said, if you can do more than me, you'll he'll give us a thousand dollars. And if you do these post it before these rules and i did that okay so i texted jp about two yeah. hours ago i'm like can you show this to the liver king oh and tell him to send me my stack <laughs> and because i kind of wanted to like help help his reputation yeah 
Because he made a mistake. He made like lying to that many people about something totally. so black and white. Yeah. Um, really tarnished a lot about, I think, his reputation totally. and potentially even understanding the liver supplement industry. Yeah. So I, th- I would like to synergize with him. And he owes me $1,000. Totally. <laughs> it's always a tragedy when like someone takes um when someone takes a really good thing whether it's like men's work or like liver eating raw liver or something and then to sell it they have to go so extreme about it that it almost tarnishes the name of liver like that it's it's just man it's a tragedy because that's such a good thing he's trying to promote like the ancestral tenants I would say everything he promotes yeah. uh, everything I've heard him promote uh, to others to do totally. I'm like that usually sounds spot on yeah and I'm like why did you <laughs> why did you have the why did you do that? and Joe Rogan <laughs> hopefully we'll yeah. cross paths too soon enough but he kept calling him out before oh, yeah. he ever totally got caught. Yeah, and I was, I was like, and I was, at first, I was like, "That's bold, Joe. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you? Like, what if you're wrong? Like, yeah. what if he is just this jacked without steroids? Because he was just yeah, clear. I mean, There's was, no way he's not on steroids. Like, <laughs> Joe, no Joe way. Yeah. And then Joe Rogan yeah. nailed it again. Yeah. Nailed it again. Well, I'm sitting here, um, as you're sitting in the throne, I'm sitting on this couch, and I'm, I have this book in my hand, uh, which is a very nice, I like the hardcover aspect of it, and it's thick. How many pages is this thing? Uh, 287. 287. And the title, first of all, the author is you, so congratulations. Thank you. Uh, have you ever read the book uh, Lynchpen by Seth Godin? Uh-uh. Uh, he makes a strong point in that book. How I interpreted it was like what stops artists from producing work yeah. is pressing publish. Mm. That's the main thing. I, I would agree at the beginning. The main thing that stops artists like at this point is editing for me. Oh my God. The level of editing required to like put into something to actually finish it was really difficult. I could see that, and I can relate to that because I could talk about Breaking Normal in a similar fashion. Yeah. The title of this book, The Psychology of Slaying Dragons, subtitle, The Way of the Warrior, A Philosophy of Freedom and Self-Overcoming, and A Young Man's Testimony, Christian Bell. Boom. That's awesome. It's funny, this book, the, the title of it, was born at Barton Springs in Austin, Texas. Um, was that when we were? T- because no, this was three years, two two or three years after I met you. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it was birthed at Barton Springs, um, <laughs> that's a big deal because that is the birthplace of a lot. Of it. And I, yeah, I mean, like literally, yeah. the were you like the mouth of this? Where were you at? Where I, you- I, well, I was living at Barton Springs in my van, so this was COVID. So Barton Springs allowed people to actually like live there or just park there overnight. So this was in 2021 and I was coming off of the most intense heartbreak of my life. I was also coming into complete sobriety for the first time in my life and like no more relapses, no more drugs, no more like drinking, kratom, tobacco, so many different things. Um, And... So coming, in, coming through all of that and also letting go of my business, of my friends, my community, my lover, as I said, so much. And I was just in this like initiation place. 
And it was this like heroic energy that was kind of like guiding me through it and guiding me towards what like, you know, I thought of as the promised land, like a new life, a new start for me. And I feel like all men, especially young men, have this period in their 20s where it's like everything you were doing isn't working and it's time to become something new. And that title came to me. It's like, this is the psychology of slaying dragons. Well, I like it. I mean, I like a lot of what you just said. Um, I, let's, the, uh, well, I mean, what I wrote here was Barton Springs birthing in this book during COVID while heartbroken living, living in a van without a job. Yeah. I, well, I was doing coaching breathwork groups. Um, I had a YouTube channel at the time and I was doing carpentry and I left all of it behind. I had some money saved up and I was like, I don't want to do spiritual coaching anymore. I don't want to be in that world. I don't want to do breathwork coaching anymore. I didn't really like the trajectory I was on in general. And I had no clue where I wanted to head. So I was just like learning, studying, letting, it was a really like different, I, I called it in the intro of that book, like a, a time of deep lows, but high magic, you know, the majesty and tragedy of life were like at their highest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably know that feeling from heartbreak. Um, well, it's interesting because I was kind of thinking about how we were going through that during the same time. Yeah, 2021. My, mine really started in late 2020. Uh, oh, no, no, never mind. Never mind. This, I will, I will, I can still expound yeah. a little bit. Mine happened in late 20, 2019. Okay. And then in uh, early 2020, it was real, real. I mean, real, yeah. real. And then by that time, it was no longer what I would describe as heartbroken. Yeah. Um, but more like a heart healing. Yeah during that 2021 but the timing is close and it's interesting the parallels i do have a question for you because i does was barton spring what was the deal with the barton springs covid protocol yeah at that time well i have no idea because i just went to austin on a whim after like just everything falling apart and barton spring was the only place i remember from my like brief trip there to see you and so I just went there and it looked like other people were parked there. So I just started parking. I was one of the first vans to start parking. And by the end of the month, I lived there. So I lived there for a whole month. And I'm talking like under the full moon, you have this like Olympic sized swimming pool that's full of spring water. And I would go swimming at night, you know, like by myself in Barton Springs almost every night. It was like you when it was open or when it was not open? Like from nine to 10, the last hour is open? Yeah, yeah for free. For free. Yeah, yeah. And no one's there. Yeah, it's Fucking amazing. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. And uh, I recently I, listened to this podcast with Joe Rogan and um, yeah. the guy, Alex Jones. Yeah. And Alex Jones started talking about Barton Springs. And oh, yeah. Joe Rogan was like, maybe you don't want to say all that publicly. Because he was like <laughs> talking about, huh? But that's, I mean, who knows? Maybe yeah. this podcast could reach that many people. I'm, I'm open for it. Um, but that uh, there's a point. But I'm okay with talking about Barton Springs. That's yeah. a very, I know some secret springs that I'm maybe less yeah. comfortable talking about. I mean, Barton, but Barton Springs, Springs is... is the, the beach is like the central central point of Austin. Central North American best beach. Yeah. And honestly, I've traveled quite a bit in my van and I've lived in a lot of different places. And the number one thing I look for in a town or a city is a central gathering place by water that people can go. The exact same thing. The clean water. Where the, but, to me, that's yeah. where the homesteaders, same thing. They would yeah. come to a new place. They need to find the clean spring. They yeah. need to find where the clean water is at and a good place to live next to yeah. it. Yeah. And 
where people gather actually because this is one of my biggest problems with Phoenix is I, I can't stand Phoenix because there doesn't seem to be a central gathering area. Like we're in Boulder, there's the creek with like great parks and trails. Durango, same thing. Barton Springs in Austin, there's like usually a central gathering place mm-hmm. and that's so important, like the town square almost. Well, what I will say about to me the best place, because I spent some time in Phoenix and Scottsdale yeah. and the best gathering spot I found was on top of Camelback Mountain. Ah, uh, yeah, that's I just met amazing people <laughs> on top. Yeah, and then and, and I realized there's like a whole culture there of people yeah. that are racing up. Did you ever climb that? I didn't climb. I always went to the uh, the other. I can't remember what it was. A different hiking area. Okay. Yeah, it was too far from Camelback. Camelback's nice. Yeah, but it's hot and dry, and I don't know where yeah. the water's at. And I think it's like all funneled into Phoenix. And anywho, there's a lot of wealthy people there, including our biggest buyer of tribe vitamins, who's a cardiologist, and okay. he's been on the podcast before, um, Dr. Jack Wolfson. Um, anywho, man, that, yeah, we just opened up a big can of <laughs> a lot of cans. Yeah, I will say on the let's just go to the opposite end for yeah. Barton Springs. There are three springs that dump into that. Olympic size, mm. multiple, much bigger than Olympic size pool that you're mentioning. Yeah. And one of them, for people that are in Austin, if you want to experience something special, I would recommend going to the one that's coming out of the ground behind the diving board. So you know the diving board yeah. and there's like that little nook above yeah. it? There's a spring coming out of there. And Timothy and I, okay. and Rob Ross, we would go over there and just open our eyes directly in the water. Like, wow. Because it was just coming right out. Yeah. And that is like some of the cleanest, purest, most epic oh, water. I, I mean, as you know, yeah. that is synchronicity city. Yeah. That is a major part of my life. Yeah. And breaking normal is that spring. Mm. So I can, that's pretty cool that I, have you been spent much time in Yellowstone? I haven't. No. Okay. That's yeah. where I decided to do my book. Okay. The, uh, the brunt of the book. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if you ever met my friend Sam Poppy, but we spent our, um, about a month there doing like the most inspiring things we could in nature. Oh, a lot around springs and bison yeah. and elk and, um, for, to do voice recordings. Okay. And then he turned it into a book and then, but 90% of the three years was editing going yeah. back and forth because oh. I refused to touch a computer. Yeah. So he would send me the writings and then I was like, no, this is what I meant to say right here. Yeah. And so, cause it was like all almost like verbatim, but he was kind of doctoring it up in a written oh, interesting. format. So I don't even know if he would call it what I, I, I was hashtagging him. Not so ghostwriter in the book, but yeah. he was like, that's not accurate. Like this is your book. Yeah. So I didn't know what to call it. I, th- I forgot what I called him in the book. Come on. Yeah. Scribe. I think it's scribe. scribe. Yeah. 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 You kind of, that's a good approach to dictating a book. Like I would never write a book the same way I wrote that book. That was hell on earth. I wouldn't do that again. Um, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I learned so much going through the process of writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and like getting something for me, writing nonfiction was really hard because there's so many chapters and there's so many ideas that kind of just like expanded on one another. And to bring that all into like one form and one flow and like, where do they go? And to develop each one to its fullest, man, that was a lot of, that was a lot of hardship. Yeah, I think we mentioned. I mentioned to you in the gym that the other day when I first saw you and realized you were here in Boulder yeah. was like, man, the, the three fastest ways I know how to grow is uh, starting a family, committing to a relationship, and starting yeah. a business. Uh, I, f- I forgot to mention writing a book. Writing a book. It's right there. It's right there. I, like, I, and pressing yeah. publish. And pressing publish. I think doing something creatively, speaking, 
writing a book, like doing a podcast and sticking with it consistently because it really de- demands that you develop your your voice, your expression, how you articulate, who you are. Like it it brings all of that together. So I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Those are some big things that have changed my life. I would also add to that. You're really good at this already, naturally. Approaching new people. That is true. I I, um, I am good at that. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I, it, it's hard for me to catch because that for me, it may, you might be right. It might come like more natural. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure if that's, you know, now that I think about it, I think where I really honed in on that skill was I spent before doing the retreats for about a dec- decade. Yeah. For a few years, Timothy and I did these, we called ourselves Craigslist connoisseurs. And we basically got a bunch of marketing gigs. The idea was to get paid to go to places that we would get paid that we yeah. would pay to go to. So we ended up doing promotions for so many different companies where our job was to either hand out free stuff, okay, or like hand out like a puzzle, like a lottery tickets to get f- free shoes for life at Marshall's Mega Shoe Shop, as we had a, a stiletto on yeah. a silver platter to send women into Marshall's Mega Shoe Shop as a stiletto drove around town. This was from Ogilvy Marketing. Okay, genius thing. Wow. This was one of the best ones we did. But our gig, our job was to go f- basically swoon yeah. <laughs> women, swoon women to go get the shoes or to yeah. go s- scratch off this game piece. Wow. So you just like picked up freelance marketing game. Uh, yeah. And they were all in, the, and I was like a brand ambassador, promotional model, yeah. whatever you call it. I ended up becoming like brand and amb- uh, like tour managers for okay. marketing gigs. Um, and that was great. I learned so much. It was yeah. very much what inspired us to do Rob Ross because uh-huh. we were doing, uh, at one point, our last gig, we were doing Little Debbie, Million Smile Mission, where we were targeting low-end demographics of the Southeast, okay. the Bible Belt. Yeah. Because that's this, they put their face as their company as like a Christian company. Yeah. And they are selling the most terrible I mean, have you ever had a little Debbie snack yeah, cake? I've, I've okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a terrible thing to yeah. hand these free little Debbies to these. I'm no doctor, <laughs> but I, it was obvious they very well could have diabetes. The man who sells the health foods. Yeah, this is pushing little Debbies back in the day. Twelve, like yeah, <laughs> that was like two thousand. Yeah, probably. 12, I don't know you, how many years. You're paying ago. your karma now. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I feel very good about what I'm distributing because that yeah. it helped me realize like that's a terrible like that's how money is dirty. Like if you're doing something you think is wrong, yeah, to get money, yeah. then you might that's like dirty money. Totally. I like I would love to pay. I, I love getting uh, money for offering a service I believe in yeah. or a good I believe in, and I definitely believe in the Bison Lumber Shred yeah. Vitamins. Oh my God, I've been taking them every day since I had them until, <laughs> unless I run out. Uh, but those little Debbies, we were not eating. Okay, and we were handing out thousands. Yeah. So the little kids. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, and then we quit halfway. That was the one thing we quit on halfway through the gig. And it was paying a nice – it was a nice salary yeah. for like a, a four-month job. It was one totally. of the biggest jobs we took, two months in a break. We quit the break and started Rob Ross. Wow. And and you started Rob Ross based off the skills you were learning, just like approaching people. Oh, no. Getting- well, the, that skill carried over like we're going to market what we believe in. Totally. But when we were doing those little gigs yeah. of like f- swooning, swooning, swooning older women to yeah. get free shoes for life or giving little Debbies to little totally. kids, uh, our job was to interact with as many people as possible, as effective as possible, as totally. quick as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually have uh, approached random people to like 
ask them something significant. Yeah. Probably, probably like, I don't know, 50,000 times. That was my guess. I don't know. Wow. I don't know what the number yeah. is. A high, I mean, that's a, that's a great, I mean, you were getting paid to learn a really important skill because you're like the king of marketing now in terms of just like talking to people constantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Here in Boulder, especially because yeah. they're like, we're in the Silicon Valley of the natural food world here. Yeah. So it is a big deal. That's why I'm so happy to be doing this here. Yeah. Um, and on that note, how much I've changed. It's funny that um, I opened this. I opened the books just yeah. a random page, and then I looked at the page number. I first looked at this chapter. It was at the beginning of a chapter called yeah. Change, and then I looked at the number of the page, and it was forty-seven, which is my daughter's birthday, April seventh. And um, so I, maybe I'll just read the top paragraph Go for it. from yeah. the chapter Change. How many chapters are in here? You mentioned there's a lot. No idea. You don't um, even know. You don't even you know how you knew how many pages there were. Two are two eighty-seven pages. I don't know about the chapters. I know there's five parts. Okay, all things in nature either adapt and grow or perish. Change is the only true constant. It's happening all around us, but rarely do we allow it to reach into our inner lives. We stubbornly resist change, hold on to what was, and refuse to grow. Hence, many of us die while still living. Well, there you go. What does that mean to you now? And is that interesting to hear me read it? Yeah. I it's so funny. I wrote the book and I published a book and I've probably opened it about twice since I published it because it was like such a headache for two years to get it out there. But that honestly, if one chapter could really still resonate with me or one paragraph, it's that one in the sense of like I just moved to Boulder and I think we always hear these calls, especially like we have seasons of our life where like building and growing into something new um, or like, you know, solidifying our lives and grounding in. And then like there's this call, there, there's this call to courage really and to like let go of something, to let go of an addiction, a relationship, a way of being and to try something new. And like I came to Boulder two months ago um, and it was kind of bittersweet because I'm like leaving some people, a lot of people I love and a place that I've, you know, called home for five years. Um, and to come here and be like, okay, I get, I get to allow change into my heart. And what, what did that look like? It looked like following my instincts and following my heart. So like changing up my routines, like going to the gyms, the places, doing the things, talking to the people that felt scary, that felt courageous, but felt honest. And I think that's what that still means to me right now is is following like that that honest courage inside of you, even if it makes your heart beat. Yeah, yeah, I, I that's very aligned with what I describe. You know, now that I'm not getting paid to market to as many people as possible all the time, which yeah. I kind of am through try by demands, <laughs> but it's not. Um, what I probably as instead of using an hourly um, salary to dictate my behavior around that. What I typically let dictate that behavior is like a, like a flutter. It's like a flutter by a butterfly, a flutter by a flutter by of a, like a a elevated heart rate. Yeah. That is mixed with like a little like apprehension or like, this is kind of scary resistance mixed with like, I definitely want to do whatever is causing my heart to be. And a lot of times that is uh, like a little faster. And a lot of times that is talking to someone. Yeah. And, and it could be because I'm like, man, this, uh, 
I don't know what it is, but I'm so I I want to talk to this person. They might not even look like it might be like an older man that doesn't totally. look like he's available to talk. Yep. But I still got it. Like when I hear that, when I feel that heartbeat, yeah. I typically take action. It might be um, like a really a strong guy at the gym. Yeah. That's like intimidating looking. It might be a very attractive young girl. It might yeah. be like a mom with five kids. So it's like, the, and I totally believe in that yeah. as my signal. Totally. To, um, yeah. To see what I say out loud. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of your brand, like breaking normal, um, it is like following that flutter by in a sense is like, cause that's, that's the scary unnormal thing to do is to, is to follow like what's scary, but honest inside, you know? Yeah. And there might be something to do with it. And this is why it's very butterfly like. Cause I, yeah. have you ever been to the butterfly garden in Westminster? I haven't. It no. might be worth a visit, okay. but there such interesting creatures. Um, and I find that like, if I'm almost not attached to getting their attention, yeah, that I get more of it. Okay. If this makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like if I try to like get a picture of it, it's almost impossible. Totally. But if I just like give up and like sit there, I'm like, all of a sudden they're all around me. Yeah. Um, I, it follows the same principle. I got an interesting story about this actually. Um, right when I got to Boulder, one of my favorite rappers in the world, his name is no self. He's an amazing rapper no self like k-n-o-w oh nice nice no okay self. i don't know if i'm even familiar but i'm taking note yeah definitely give no self a listen especially turning the page love that song and the healing um but so about two years ago i put in my phone literally or uh to like meet no self right and i had a reminder for each year on that day to go hit up no self and go skiing with him right <laughs> so January like 4th rolls around. Okay. And the reminder comes up to hit up no self. I'm like, oh yeah, I live, I think in the same city as him now. Maybe I should hit him up to like go skiing in Keystone or something. Cause I know he likes skiing. So I want to meet this dude. I feel so kindred with him. And that day I woke up really tired. I didn't sleep well. And so I committed to following my instinct. My instinct was go to kickboxing. Okay, go to kickboxing, did that. And then, you know, okay, go meditate at the park. Go meditate at the park. Okay, go write for an hour. Instead of like making my day around, oh, you have to do your work in this structured way or like, you know, just what I would have used to do. Instead, I was just like, what feels exciting to me right now? What feels dangerous to me right now? Go do those things. And then I end up at the grocery store after like, you know, getting that notification in the morning to go text no self. And I never did it, but I thought about it like three times. Walking to the grocery store, he walks up beside me at, with his hat on. I'm like, no way. No self? He's like, yeah, what's, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Christian. Turns out this is Jeremy. So we end up talking and he's moving to Boulder in a month, right? And so we're going to start, we're going to hang out. And I was just like, I literally had a notification for this day set two years ago to meet you. It was this on one four of this year. I it was like I forget the exact date. I have oh, okay, okay. but yeah, like literally a couple of weeks ago, this happened, and I was like, "Wow!" Just following my instincts, following my heart, and putting the intention out there. One of the craziest synchronicities I've ever experienced. That one, that one, because this is you're like we're almost. I almost feel like we're like getting behind the code. <laughs> of some of the what might be a code or at least yeah. the ingredients to these yeah. things happening 
Um, like the schedule of this podcast. This was just recently. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, no self. You made a note once a year to yeah. text him or what was the note? To remind myself to hit him up to go skiing. Okay, to hit him up to go skiing. Yeah. And where were you living when you did that? In Durango. And what um, were you? What compelled you to do that in that moment? I have this uh, drive to... We have this like... I don't know. I, I love his music. I feel kindred to him. And usually when I find someone who's a creator and I feel kindred with, I hit him up to either collaborate or hang out. And I've met a lot of my best friends doing that. Um, and yeah, so like two years ago, I'm sitting in Durango. I text him. We actually have a short conversation on Instagram going back and forth. Like, yeah, we should go skiing sometime. But it didn't work out that year. So I set a reminder. So he responded to you on Instagram. He did respond to me on wow. Instagram. Wow. Yeah. Was that a surprise to you? I don't know how big this guy is. He had on. like 10,000 followers okay. at the time. Oh, so it wasn't that. Su- I mean, I was like, yeah, he responded. This is good. Uh, I think I was like replying to his stories or something, you know. Um, but yeah, that. And it just kind of showed me is our minds. We're trying to like project reality often through our minds. But in actuality, we got to listen to the honest impulses of our heart and go do the scary things. And I think that's how we actually get into alignment with with the magic of life. And there's that balance between discipline and letting go. Um, and I think going back and forth between those two things, that's been this kind of the story of my life. How can you do both? Um, letting go and what? Discipline. Yep. I, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of kindred love for creators to collaborate, I think that's what's happening right now. Absolutely. I, I hit you up the same way, I think. Do you remember that? Because I, I actually made a note to go back to that, like how we met or how, what, how it happened. What was the I story think I there? listened to a podcast with you on it on break, about breaking normal. And you mentioned the Tribe Design retreats. And I just looked it up and then I messaged you and I was like, I can't pay for it. But yeah, I'll, I'll come out. I'll do some filming for you guys. That's how I remember it too. Yeah. Do you remember how you which platform you messaged me on? Um, probably like Facebook Messenger, I think. And then I remember, did, did, didn't you spend quite a bit of time with us prior to the yeah. retreat? Yeah, we, we did. Were like, yeah, like, the microdose stuff and all yeah. the things. Yeah. How, do you, what do you remember about that experience? You remember Barton Springs? I remember Barton Springs. I remember a lot of hardship for me because I was, there's a variety of reasons. It was a really difficult year of my life, really difficult season of my life. Um, I didn't really know who I was. I was changing. I was like really like deep in the spiritual world. Um, and I also remember the, the microdose and the retreat had all this like deep inner intrapersonal work mm-hmm. and relating to people. And I, I thought that was awesome. I really loved the, the capacity to get to a deeper level with people quickly. And that's like one of the main things I remember of, of you and everyone else there was this, this willingness to go to a deeper level quickly and how to get there and the tools to get there. And a lot of us don't have those tools. Yep. That's a lot of what breaking normal book is about right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a special moment. I mean, that was a special time in my life. I, we were doing, uh, and when you say microdose for people that 
are listening that don't know what that means, we were doing like microdose little video blogs, right? About and, and like a small, small, small retreat, retreat experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, like a four-hour retreat experience. Yeah, that was fun. That was a great yeah. time. And I think George, a lot of people. I mean, Austin is popping right yeah. now. I hear Miami's an amazing place to be right now. Have you been to Miami? I haven't. Lately? No. Or uh, ever? Never? Uh-uh. Oh, go to Miami. That's yeah. where I was born. Well, I'm here now. I'm excited. <laughs> Boulder. This is where it's happening for me. Yeah, it is. Boulder's a great yeah. town. This is a great town. Yeah. This, like, I almost think that it's still under the radar. Like, because, like, yeah. places like Austin are getting so much attention. Yeah. There's a lot that's better about Boulder than Austin. I like Boulder a thousand times more than Austin because you have access to other places. Austin, you're just isolated in the fucking desert unless you fly somewhere, really. Yeah, I, li- I like Austin for the spring water aspect. There's like yeah. a 20 amazing spring trips you could take. Yeah. And I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Boulder is amazing. There are yeah. so many amazing mountain towns to the west of us totally. that someone could drive to and get their mind blown. Yeah, I, I'm, I really like Boulder. I think I'll move back to Durango one year in the f- far in the future. But... Just like in terms Durango, of, a lot of people are interested in Durango, including Durango. myself. It's like my favorite town in the whole. It's, it's shh, don't tell anyone. It's the most special town in the world. <laughs> a lot of people think that. What, I mean, what you, I mean, I gave out some, I gave out my secret yeah. spring information about I, bu- bu- uh, Boulder. Can yeah. you give us some secrets about Durango? <laughs> so Durango is one of the last mountain towns where it's still mostly locals, and it's because it's five hours from an international airport, and you're also you have. There's a couple really special things about Durango. One, the longer you live there, you get to know everyone in your community. Everyone. And that's a really cool thing. And it feels like home. It just feels like absolute home. And you also are at the you have this like really cool mix of hippies and cowboys and like conscious entrepreneurs and mountain people. And it's probably one of the most athletic. It's it's probably the most athletic, fit and healthy towns in America. I, I rarely see anyone out of shape there. I mean, Boulder's, you could say the same thing about yeah, Boulder. Yeah, but Boulder has, has more access to other, other things and a college and stuff. So it's a little bit, a lot more. I would like Durango, everyone is a mountain biker, a hiker, a climber, something like that. And you also have this incredible access to your two and a half hours from Canyonlands, three hours from Moab, two hours from, you know, your Ray. You're on a million dollar highway in the most beautiful mountains in America. Um, Telluride, Santa Fe, Sedona, some like I had a van there. So your weekend trips just become to the most mesmerizing places you could think about. You know, in five hours, I'm jumping off the cliff in Sedona into Oak Creek Canyon. And three- is that a Grasshopper Point that you're talking about there? Do you remember? I can't remember. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Sedona. That's a yeah. special place for my heart. The only problem with Durango, though, was ah. Uh, Two things, being a young man is that like I, me and my ex-girlfriend fully broke up um, just over a year ago and the dating market there isn't great. The networking opportunity for doing podcasts like this, meeting new people, uh, doing the, like we're starting a retreat business, our first retreats in June. um, And I need to be by an airport for all that. I need to be in a bigger hub. And it's also like, I'm 26. I don't want to spend my whole twenties in a small town. Like I'm ready to spread my wings for a while do something fun just take this adventure of life so that's why i moved up here nice yeah yeah i mean durango has a lot of intrigue yeah have you is there some waterfalls like the abcs of waterfalls that you like jump down a series of waterfalls uh there there might there is a couple i mean 
literally one hour from Durango or less than that, you're past Purgatory, the ski resort, and in between Purgatory and Silverton. And you go into this ca- and you go into this canyon. I forget what it's I forget what this canyon is called. It's in between the two passes between Molis and Colbank Pass, uh, between Silverton and Durango. And this is the most beautiful canyon full of aspens, super deep uh, ravines with 14,000 foot mountains around you. And when the colors are changing, there's waterfalls to jump off of. It's just like, it is out of this world beautiful. And no one goes there. It's not a soul in sight. You just by yourself right there. It's like, wow. Sounds like a great place for a retreat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the problem, there's two problems with doing retreats there. Cause me and my, my friends there have thought about it a lot. It's just international, like every single plane ticket to get to the Durango airport is $200 more. What's the closest airport? Uh, La Plata Canyon, which is like right by 20 minutes from Durango. Oh, oh, the closest main airport, like international Albuquerque, four hours away, four and a half hours away. How far is Grant's or Grand Junction? Um, probably three and a half, four hours. Yeah. All right. Three and a half, four. So it's, it's just isolated like that. And it doesn't quite have the same, like you look outside of Netherlands, there's a bunch of big houses that could host retreats. Oh, you mean right up here? Yeah. 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 That's where Timothy wants to retreat actually. Um, you, was there another problem with hosting retreats there? In Durant, well, I think we will one day. It's just everyone needs to take two flights. It's it doesn't have the infrastructure that a place like here has. Like here, you can. It's easy to find a cook. It's easy to get transportation vans. It's easy to get a a big house in the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, yeah. it's only one flight anywhere. Like I can have someone from Dubai fly straight into Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can fly straight to Iceland. Yeah. From Denver. Exactly. So you, yeah. everywhere in the world can come here. And that's like, I'm reaching a lot of people right now and we're filling up a retreat pretty quickly. Um, so it's nice to like be able to just have it a lot more easy. Well, tell us about the retreat. I'm usually on the other end of it. <laughs> yeah. Where is the retreat? Where are the details? I So we're still hammering down all the logistical details, but we're starting this thing. It's called uh, Brothers of the Sun. It's a retreat men's a men's retreat business okay um and it's i'm starting it with my best friend the whole world cam um cam is kind of a medicine man warrior shaman is how is how I'd, how i would refer to him um i think we've both gone on like a pretty like deep spiritual journey you know through the new age into like ancient texts and all this stuff and kind of return from that and we're like Yo, what what is it? What is the real like? The real message in there, and and this is kind of Cam Cam's thing is is finding this like deep connection through nature and you know camaraderie and even like new things like freestyle rap, fire ceremonies, like masculine embodiment, and he's and he really carries this like masculine medicine. I really really appreciate Cam, um, and. Yeah, so he's gonna help me run this. Um, but we're we're doing it outside of outside of Netherlands, hopefully pretty isolated in the hills up there. Um, just a three day experience. Um, and also, I'm gonna be bringing a lot of messaging from my book and kind of just who I am. Honestly, we were talking about it because me and these five guys, we've we did essentially 
um, we would do a brotherhood day every single day, every single Sunday for over a year. And we'd hang out multiple times a week. And in those hangouts, our whole focus was building a culture of connection, of like spiritual connection and masculine embodiment all in one. And that, that looks like playing games, having deep ceremonies, having radical alive experiences, like all night around the fire, doing amazing things, going to cool places. And we were building this sense of culture and we're like, we need to share this culture with people and we need to start a new way that men can relate to each other and have a great time, but also deepen our, our experience of one another and deepen our experience with nature. Um, and so we're just, all of us are coming together to share that culture. And I just happen to have the, the means to reach a lot more people now. To, to bring you mean them the, the five of y'all are coming together to facilitate yeah. me, the experience? Me and, me and Cam are kind of starting the, the retreat business, mm-hmm. but we're all coming together to facilitate. Okay. And you were saying you, it was almost, you had enough or had quite a bit of people sign up already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'll probably be sold out in a month or two. And this is your first retreat that you've hosted like this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, this is something else we can relate on. I mean, that's brings me back to when we yeah. decided to do our first one. Yeah. It that's, just, it just happens when you, ha- I, me and Cam were just talking and so much, I've run one nature immersion in the past with like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized from that, and I've realized from the different workshops and things I've facilitated and participated in, I, it's not really about the what you have to say. It's about the culture you're bringing people into. And yes, you can have containers and workshops inside of that to help, to help people fully participate in that culture. But it's about, hey, like... Y'all, y'all's idea of like a boys' night out is drinking beers and watching a game. Let's let's do something radical that you've maybe never experienced before. And we're and we're not marketing this as like a as a spiritual retreat. This is a men's retreat. We're we're here to have a great time to celebrate life, but also do the deep work in order to to feel liberated, to move forward, and to move into greater connection with one another and ourselves and nature. So it's a uh, I think I think with Rob Raz and Tribe Design, you had a similar thing. Whereas like you guys had a culture, and you and you came together. To, you know, you you each had a workshop, but it was more so about the culture that you're sharing with people. Yeah, yeah. What I wrote here was like it's not about a sage on a stage, but more about the culture. And yeah. I totally agree. I, I was I was actually more for me about putting people on, like putting yeah. the audience on stage. Yeah. Like once they can just see them selves see themselves in yeah. front of this like awesome group totally i think they'll be good yeah <laughs> and be seen by the whole group and let the whole group <coughs> sorry that's uh this idea has been coming up a lot for me because i think one of my my core principles and purposes and i would call it my dharma here is to is to build community to build culture in some way and I'm starting a, a platform, a membership community on school right now, I'm starting this retreat business. Like there's a lot happening where people are coming together and I'm learning how, how do we create citizens versus a teacher, like you said, a sage, a sage and a stage. How do we create citizens that feel involved and want to participate and actually they lead it? And that's, that's a really interesting idea. Um, when it comes to retreats is I just know from my experience, the best parts of retreats are usually at the end when everyone's coming together and just like 
wow, I feel so connected with you and you're doing things together and then you're, you're sharing and relating in that experience with one another. And I think that that part is the most important. Yeah, the retreat business, I mean, it's like such a, it's an interesting thing to even call it a business because yeah. I don't know many people that do it consistently, yeah, successfully. We did it for about 11 years. I will say it's like the best, one of the best things someone could do. Yeah. The, the Especially if you have like a passion that you love sharing and that can inspire others to find their version of that. Yeah. And... It is definitely also there is it's not for the it is for the brave. Yeah. That is a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal to host people overnight. Yeah. To go through like potentially traumatic experiences. Yeah. Trusting there is a totally uh, trusting there is a light at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's that I am it's daunting. Like that idea of I'm gonna bring fifteen to twenty men together and I don't really know them. And we're just gonna I, I'm so curious to hear more about your whole experience with tribe design and what you've learned from these kinds of things. Because, like, even like legal stuff aside, just the fact that this, like, you really have no idea what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, that, and that is that's the amazing. I mean, it's it's up there. I, I like I imagine like you know art like uh, musicians. Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, that's got to be top peak experience if you if you go on stage and yeah thousands or more people are like singing lyrics yeah. to a song that you wrote and yeah. sync to you like yeah. pouring your heart out that's got to be peak totally. um, but the retreat experience too is like that's a powerful thing yeah. it is a powerful thing how, how are you feeling when you were coming into you know your first couple of retreats there's 25 people there it's you and like what three facilitators well i think it really helped that i started with my brothers like we just yeah. have so much trust in each other like yeah. if there was a, a retreat team yeah i'm like oh yeah we'll sign us we'll be good at that let's yeah. do that and so th that was very helpful yeah that's i just interject that's exactly how i feel about my my five like core friends is we've literally been doing this and having we've been creating retreats for ourselves every weekend for over a year so it's like i do have a lot of trust in them as well it's yeah. not quite my brother but well know. and uh, like the, i think the all having different strengths i think it was very helpful to like to know that like i it, yeah. like for between timothy nathaniel and i let me think about it. it's like i was probably the one making the decisions kind of like the go to like the chief if you will the oldest brother the oldest brother so um timothy you know he's mediating all the time Mm -hmm. Like we see an issue, like Timothy, you like we yeah. we had to say sh nothing. No one yeah. had to say a word. It was just like yeah, I know, I know. And that Timothy like runs too. over there, yeah. and figures out, and then yeah. reports to us what's happening. And Nathaniel, like, kind of uh, at that time in his life, he's probably a very different person now. But at that time in his life, very like middleman esque, but also like he was like the bull. Mm. Like you know, if you're in, like now that I have a little bit yeah. more understanding of the bison culture, yeah, this is the bull, <laughs> and like you want to go do something cool or hard or fun yeah. or amazing or inspiring, uh, he's just waiting. Yeah, he's just waiting for, to he's have ready to do it to like challenge you to blow your mind, uh, especially, um, yeah, with, with a lot of people that were interested in coming to our retreats was like uh capacity, mm. capacity for like whether it was like physical, emotional, or spiritual. And thing yeah. it was just like. He's there. Yeah, he's there. There's he's a goal. Go deep with you. Yeah, yeah. and then because and, and like knowing that with I don't know if we've ever even said that explicitly, but yeah. I bet they would all agree. Yeah, that's what we were doing at that point, and it's just totally. like that full 
understanding that like whole like books and books and books of our 20 years of life together yeah teaming up and understanding our own things and yeah that's super helpful yeah that that was a major i i I would be ridiculous to deny how supportive that was yeah i think that's the most important thing is that the the team is connected and just allows each other to play into your strengths i think that's that's where a lot of the juice is that's what i'm saying about this retreat is it feels daunting but also feels really unforced like this is exactly what we're meant to do it's exciting i mean i think the retreat industry is really ripe right now i think like when we i took a break yeah right when the pandemic happened is perfect like that's a great time to do what i'm doing but now it seems like it might be the best time ever yeah for retreats this is really ripe and i mean all right, I'll talk about my thought process just a little bit on this. I don't want to give away the secrets, but I will. But I, I see there's a massive hole in the retreat business in general. Is We have big retreat businesses, kind of like Sacred Sons, um, that are running spiritual retreats for men. Um, and most retreats have this like very like foo-foo spiritual feel to them. I know my dad just went to his first retreat and he was so resistant to it the whole time. My mom dragged him there. Oh, nice. Right? They went together? Yeah, they went together. Do you know what kind of retreat that was? It was uh, like a yoga retreat in uh, Costa Rica. Nice, nice. With, and nice, it had a, a, it's a nice intro. Yeah, it had like <laughs> cow ceremony and ecstatic dance, you know, cool. some like cool things. Oh, cool. Um, and it was like three training sessions and mobility stuff every day. Okay, um, nice. Do you know who put that on? Yeah, it was a, a friend of theirs from back home in, okay. in Wisconsin. Cool. Um. But my dad was resistant to it. He was resistant to like every idea of a retreat because they all come at it from a very spiritual angle. Okay, we had a little um, battery shortage, but I think we're back in business. I was kind of talking about how a lot of retreats come at things from a spiritual angle. And this actually like alienates a large demographic of their of their target audience in a sense is a lot of the spiritual and conscious and health food business what you're trying to do is is create a bridge from something that's edgy to what's normal and mainstream. And even in my work, in my business, in my coaching, in my YouTube channel, like building anything successful, I've realized is about taking something that's profound but edgy and bringing it, making a bridge from that to the mainstream. And that's how you become prolific. And like my most like successful YouTube videos, like my most successful anything I've ever done is actually when I found that prolific zone. And I think this is totally missing in the retreat business. I think it's totally missing in a lot of content creation. I think it's missing even in like liver vitamins and and the things you do is taking these edgy and fringe ideas that are deep and profound and then re-communicating them and repackaging packaging them in a way that if someone's standing at the edge of the mainstream looking out, they'll be like, wow, look at this bridge. That's awesome. I don't know a single retreat that could target a 25-year-old that's out of college and has a tech bro job in Austin and be like, yo, come do this with your homies. And it's going to be so cool that you're going to want to come back every single year to do it again. I don't know a single thing like that. I, I, you know, And I think that it's a very hard thing to do is bridge something from the fringe to the mainstream. And whoever does it successfully becomes very, very big quickly. And this is what Wim Hof did. 
This is what Liver King did. This is what well. Liver King did as well. Yeah. Is they took something fringe, like Wim Hof took ice baths and like just mind over matter and like the deep, like spiritual, personal uh, mastery, essentially. And then went through the science route to actually communicate how important breath work and ice baths are to a normal mainstream audience to the point where when my dad watches him, he's like, I love this guy. Right. And so anyone who grows something really big and really successfully understood this principle of taking something fringe and profound and making a bridge to the mainstream with it. And I think this is totally missing in the retreat business. I think that's a great point. I mean, that's a great point just like overall for everybody. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone has like their own fringe side. Yeah. It might be like specialized and it might be like scary and feeling dangerous to share it, but it also might be extremely exciting fulfilling and profitable so that's that's why i wanted to share this idea is like this i i call it being prolific and whatever you do whatever you're interested in you have a fringe interest you have a fringe side of you that likes to investigate and you got to find the truth like what's profound in the fringe and if you can learn how to communicate that back to the mainstream that's how you be successful at almost anything I, I, I think that's a great freaking theory. I like how you word it as well. Yeah, I've been tripping on that for a while. I, I think I'm tripping on that because my my YouTube channel, um, Wisdom Warriors, was just popping off recently with like a couple hundred thousand views on videos. I've never had a couple hundred thousand views ever. I was like, wow. Or were these like the topics you were talking about at those points? Or what, what do you think made those videos get more views? Uh, being prolific. I was taking really fringe, obscure ideas of big philosophers like Nietzsche and then re-communicating that. You were talking about the profound, um, recontextualizing these profound ideas. We had another batter situation and we are approaching an hour, an hour and 11 minutes. So maybe it's divine orchestration happening here. But uh, I didn't want to cut you off if you had anything else to say about that. Uh, I... I really don't. I think uh, I was talking a little bit about my YouTube channel and I finally found success doing, taking something, a profound fringe idea and stop and not communicating it as a profound fringe idea, but actually using empathy to think about where someone else is and then communicating that towards them and like building a bridge with it. And obviously, I, I mean... There's years of practice, study of the game, how to write a script, how to edit a really good video. So many failures, like no one really cares about your creativity. (laughs) Um, But I think that's the core of it is learning how to be more prolific. And I think this is the core of what I'm going to be trying to do moving forward is I've been in the fringe for a long time. It's kind of like, how do you bridge it? Yeah, I... uh... (laughs) This is so funny doing it on the phones now. I wonder how different our voices sound. But um, I think that is a profound idea that I am going to probably continue resonating, resonating with like from that perspective and with those words. Because I think it is something that I totally already believe in and take action on. And it might the, the way you're phrasing it might really help me um, and support me in doing it even better, Yeah, actually. So I think it's a powerful concept. I'm happy you're doing what you're doing. I'm stoked that about everything, about everything. I'm stoked for this book that you gave me, Wisdom Warriors, you said is your YouTube? Yep. And then the book here, The Psychology of Slaying Dragons. And then if someone wants to reach out, what's the best way? Um, You can just find me on Instagram, 
um, at I am Christian Bell, Christian with a K, um, or my website, ChristianBell.com with a K. Isn't there like a famous actress named Christian Bell? There is. Yes. We share a name, but I have the domain. So, <laughs> screw you, Christian Bell. Do you know who she is? Isn't she? Is she? It's like, do you know anything about her? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, hey, Christian, maybe we can have you on the show next. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? She sounds like she might live in Colorado for some reason. Yeah. I don't, what was she in? I forget what. It's what not was. the girl from Twilight, is it? I don't think so. That's like something. Yeah. Anywho. Um, thanks, thanks for doing this with me. Thanks for breaking normal, and thanks for all the uh, words of wisdom and sharing some of the stories of slaying dragons at Barton Springs. <laughs> oh, Barton Springs! Thanks for holding that crazy period of life. If anyone's in the initiation, highly recommend trip to Sedona and a trip to Barton Springs, Austin. This is yeah, that's a whole other topic. Barton Springs, though, yeah. Like I have a feeling there's so many people in Austin that don't even go there. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what you're doing well, in Austin. I, you don't even know if you want to meet those people. <laughs> I just know Austin's growing so fast right now. But yeah, yeah. But take a visit and hey, come say hi to us in Boulder. We've got some more cool things to share that we I don't feel comfortable sharing on the podcast. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to explore those with you, Christian. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Peace. Bye.